from the Center for European Reform. This is the CER podcast. It is a critical moment. If we do not act with urgency, we would then severely undermine the liberal order. Brexit means Brexit, and we're going to make a success of it. The wind is back in Europe's sights. We have now a window of opportunity, but it will not stay open forever. Hello, you're listening to the CER podcast with me, Beth Oppenheim. And today I have with me John Springford, who is the CER's Deputy Director, and Christian Odendahl, who is our Chief Economist, who is on the phone from Berlin. And today we're going to talk about the diverging fortunes of Europe's regions. John and Christian both found, along with their co-authors, a kind of clustering effect where highly skilled people and profitable businesses come together in successful cities, leaving less successful areas behind. John, first of all, could you explain the title of your paper to listeners? Why have you called this paper The Big European Sort? The title of the paper is a kind of reference to a book which did the rounds in the United States and made a bit of a splash by Bill Bishop, which is simply called The Big Sort. And it was a book published in 2008, which explained or tried to explain some of the patterns of political polarisation in the US. And Bill Bishop's argument really is that rich, educated, younger and more liberal people are tending to live together, closer together in space, and that poorer, less educated, older and more conservative people are are doing the same. So you're essentially having a sorting effect of people with different political outlooks, and that's having some big effects on political polarisation. Bishop is kind of less interested in economics than we are, but we, we just wanted to reference his book because obviously with the rise of the radical right and the sort of neo-nationalism in Europe, we're also seeing this political polarisation and we know that voters in the EU are more likely to vote for them if they live in poorer regions, if they're, if they're older and less educated. But as I say, you know, our focus is really on the economics and we're trying to think about Okay, if, if if this is a pattern of political behaviour, perhaps there are some economic explanations. You know, do we see growing regional divergence? Might it get worse in the future? Are there things that we we can do about it? And you've, I'm interested to know. Why does regional equality matter in of itself? And does it matter only economically? Or is it also a political problem? I think you've just sort of preempted that. But with, with those who are left behind growing frustrated and more vulnerable maybe mm-hmm. to populist messaging. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I suppose I, I preempted it a bit. But, uh, but I also think it's worth questioning the, the point about the politics and the point about the economics. I mean, politically, nobody wants the place that they live to decline and become shabby and for there to be few jobs around. And obviously, where this has been happening, there are a lot of justified political complaints. But in terms of this being a problem economically, there's it's a bit more complicated, I think. So, you know, your sort of fictional, boneheaded, free market economist might say, well, people can just move to where the jobs are. And actually, you kind of need to have some spatial inequality, because some places are always going to do better than others. You know, they might be have some benefit, because the products that are produced in a particular area suddenly there's lots of demand for them globally so they're going to do well and so in that sense regional inequality is necessary because then people can move from declining places to successful ones but the problem is that that doesn't really happen or doesn't happen as quickly as we would like there are some reasons for that you know the big one is differences in housing costs Mm. so the reason why London is so expensive is because it's very economically successful and it's easier for high-skilled people in a place 
which suddenly has some kind of shock to be able to move to a more successful place because you know they have skills which are in demand and um, it's also easier for people who come from rich families because their parents can you know help them out for a bit while they establish themselves in, a, in an expensive place and that's why economic shocks which hit a particular region hard have a tendency to persist and a famous paper by David Orter, David Dawn and Gordon Hansen which examines the China shock uh, in the US is a good explanation of this. So they looked at regions which were kind of competing against Chinese imports as China expanded and its manufacturing sector grew um, and it became you know, a really important source of manufactured imports for advanced economies. Those regions which were competing against them had a, had a negative shock and Autor and Co found that unemployment in those regions persisted for a long time. They found it very difficult to be able to adjust and move to a different type of production. And so that's why regional inequality really matters is because both politically in the sense that it causes political polarisation and anger, but also economically that you can see people being trapped in depressed regions which can't really recover that easily. Right. And in terms of the trends, has regional inequality been growing in Europe? And if it has, why is that? Mm -hmm. Excellent questions. The first answer about regional divergence, the thing to say is it's not as much as the US. The US is really characterised by, you know, sort of big successful cities and less successful sort of hinterlands, countryside tend to be poorer and less productive. And if you look at just take all of the European regions and just say, okay, what's the average difference between them all? We haven't really seen structurally that much change. You know, there's, there's obviously inequality, but we haven't necessarily seen it markedly growing over the last 30 years what you need to do though is you need to split European regions in a different way not just take the average but look at different types of regions and so if you split regions into the countryside into towns into cities and capitals then you do see start to see some divergences happening and the obvious backdrop to all of this is deindustrialization. So, you know, manufacturing and heavy industry has fallen as a proportion of European output. And obviously we all know about depressed ex-industrial industrial regions. But it's worth thinking about how different types of economy work in terms of regional inequality. So manufacturing and other forms of industry, there's a tendency for economic activity to spread out from cities into towns and countryside. Um, and the reason for that is, you know, manufacturers are looking for cheaper land and labour over time. But in services, particularly business services, which is the sort of the most highly productive area of services and the one which tends to pay the most if you work in there, then that tends to concentrate in cities. You get these what economists call agglomeration effects, where essentially employers are looking for highly skilled a pool of highly skilled labor and generally they can find those in cities and that's part of the reason why cities grow that's what we've been seeing we've been seeing industry industry declining as a proportion of output and that makes it harder for poorer regions and we've seen sort of the most productive services industries clustering together in bigger cities we shouldn't exaggerate the size of that effect but it's quite quite important and a further smaller question, I suppose, is has EU integration actually worsened regional divergence? Mm. I mean, obviously, one of the things that the EU, with its common market and single market process, has essentially tried to make the European economy more efficient by encouraging 
particular regions or countries to specialise in the production of goods and later services that they're, that they're especially good at. But it's hard to disentangle the EU from broader forces of globalisation. And there's good reason to think that actually, you know, the, a bigger reason for regional divergence is that a lot of manufacturing and industrial activity, particularly at the lower end, has moved outside Europe and we import an awful, awful lot of stuff from China and elsewhere in Asia. And that this is part of the process by which, you know, you've ended up with some quite depressed regions. So it's quite hard to disentangle. The EU has certainly been part of it, but I think probably the bigger reason is uh, the rise of Asia. Okay, so John's sketched out the background. Christian, if I could go to you in Berlin, let's talk about possible solutions in policy here. If I were the mayor of a city or a local MP, I would probably ask myself, how can I make my region more successful? What, what would you advise? So first of all, we, we, we also asked ourselves, what, what makes a successful region? I mean, John has hinted at some of those, um, some of the characteristics, but we wanted to, to, to know it in, in, in a systematic way. And so what we did was we, we ran a regression, which is the way you, 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 you try to find relationships and statistical data. And we plugged in basically the variables that we think could impact the success, the productivity of a region. So, for example, population density, in the sense that you know, more densely populated areas tend to be more productive. We looked at the age of the population. We looked at the share of people with graduate education, uh, and we looked at how close the region is to economic centers of gravity, so to speak. So, big in, in big economic areas, such as a town being relatively close to a big city has different characteristics than one that is very far away from, from, from a big city. And so there are two things that came out of this. First is that population density itself is not that important. The real issue is whether you are close or far away from the economic action. I think that was the result number one. The second result was that the higher educated your population is, the more successful you are. And we see that this effect is increasing over time. So the effect was not very strong 10, 15 years ago, but by now it has become very, very important indeed. And, and the third is that the age of your population matter, seems to matter. So um, the younger your population is, the more successful you are, the more productive um, your region is. Now, these are all just correlations. We're not saying that this is, this is causal necessarily, right? We just wanted to see what, what, what are the characteristics that are typically associated with a productive or a successful place. And we speculate that, you know, the fact that highly educated and young cities or regions are more successful is not necessarily because the young and highly educated are a lot more productive or have become more productive over time, but because they are increasingly clustering in specific regions, namely in the already productive regions like big cities and so forth. These are the factors that, that, that make a region successful or that are associated with a successful region. So you've said basically that a successful place, it's young, it's well-educated, it's, it's close to the economic action. These are things, I guess, that local politicians might find it quite hard to change. Is there anything that they can actually do? So this is a, indeed a, a difficult question. So, of course, the first thing that comes to mind is education matters more and more. And the more well-educated people there are in your region, the higher the chances are that you are becoming one of those successful places. So a relentless focus on education seems to be one of those things that the modern economy will need and that can, can work against regional, uh, regional divergence. Um, the second is we know that you know, being close to the economic action is important. Now, you cannot move your town, of course, but 
what you can do if you are reasonably close to other big hubs is to increase or improve your transport links, your communications and telecom infrastructure and so forth to make these places a bit closer um, and to, to, the, to, the, to the big economic action in the big cities. Um, and the third is, and this is more for, I would say, the central government than individual regions, we already have agglomerations of people that are potential hubs for you know the modern economy for the not modern services and, and high-tech based economy but they are not working as well as they could you know northern england's cities are one example the rural area in germany is one the, those are almost you know agglomerations of of, of bigger cities um, that are not um, at their full potential yet so you know investing in existing agglomerations of people that are not as successful as they could be i think would be would be the third one John, you're vigorously nodding. Did you want to add something? <laughs> the, one, of, one of the arguments that goes on and, and has started to, to catch fire a little bit in the UK is um, about the difference between towns and cities. So there's competing think tanks. There's the, the centre for towns and the centre for cities, and they kind of fight it out. Obviously, you know, one of the things that the centre for towns says is we shouldn't just ignore towns and just let them collapse and form dormitories for larger cities and just have a relentless focus on a agglomerations which to an extent is true but our data seems to suggest our regression that Christian describes seems to suggest that that's not necessarily the problem if you link up say lots of towns um, or the smaller cities of the rural area with the larger larger cities such as Essen then actually you'll find that there are more businesses in those areas um, and that those businesses are likely to be more productive than the businesses that you have already and so I think one of the problems with this debate is that people seem to think that it's either t towns or cities. The, the key thing to do is to try and create better connectivity between sort of urban metropolitan cores um, and the towns around them. And then that should help both. Right. So we've talked about local level, we've talked about central government level. Christian, what about at the EU level? Is there anything that the EU can do to help? So I think that Europe does have a role to play. So first of all, the, 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 the promise of Europe in a way is also that there is convergence uh, between the economic well-being of, of different parts of Europe and not divergence. And I think that goes for the regional level as well. And that's why we have these regional structural funds to help regions that are left behind catch up. But the problem is that we have focused so far on infrastructure investments. And while that has helped regions, I think the challenge now, now that infrastructure is at a relatively high level, is that we need to find different regional policies, more holistic regional policies for those areas that are not working as well, right? So an, a region that is left behind may not have a problem with infrastructure, but with education or with lack of a university or, you know, uh, lack of research and, and development and innovation in that area and then regional policy needs to focus on that and not necessarily on the infrastructure part or maybe there's a combination of all of that right so a region that like the rural area that wants to become more successful needs all of this right it needs the best transport links to other places it needs uh, infrastructure investment as well as in investment in, in R&D and in education and so forth so what we need in Europe to develop is a sort of holistic approach to, to EU regional policy. And I think this is, this is a lot more complex, it's a lot more difficult, but I think it's very important uh, that we can uh, prevent the sort of massive regional divergence um, that, that, that seems to be on the horizon. 
Thank you very much, John and Christian, for talking to me today. And if listeners are interested, they can find the paper, The Big Sort, on the CER website. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the CER podcast. If you have any feedback for us or want to leave suggestions for a future episode, then you can find us on Twitter at CER underscore EU.